Howdy, and welcome to Further Every Day, a podcast where we explore the current events in our world through the Christian worldview. Uh, and but here's the catch. Each one of us is sitting in a chair, and we are each attacking the issue of the day or coming at the issue of the day from a specific portion of the Christian apologetic. To my right, I have Joshua. How are you this morning? I'm doing really good, John Arthur. How about yourself, good sir? I'm doing all right, and I just remembered it's actually afternoon. I am tired. I have been underneath the weather. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, which chair will you be sitting in, sir? I will be sitting in the chair of culture. Awesome. Glad to have you there. And to my left, I have Jennifer. How are you? I'm doing well. Excellent. Glad to have you on. And uh, which chair are you sitting in today, Jennifer? I'm in the chair of politics and glad to be back. Awesome. Yeah, we're all glad to be back. Had to take a bit of a hiatus there. And across the table from it, from me is uh, Miss Nikki. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, and you're sitting in the chair of? Theology. Awesome. Excellent. So with that said, uh, I'm John Arthur, and I am sitting in the chair of philosophy. I might uh, skirt over to the chair of uh, econom Christian economics if we get a moment. But uh, we've got some interesting stories today. First off, uh, I think we kind of wanted to skate over towards the election. And there's some interesting things happening in Pennsylvania, Arizona, uh, Texas, Georgia, etc., and I know Jennifer had a story coming out of Pennsylvania. Do you have that ready, or would you like me to do the one out of Arizona? Go ahead and do Arizona first. All right. So we'll go ahead and we'll start out of Arizona. There are some interesting um, interesting things happening with the audit company, Cyber Ninjas. And they've come to the point where they've said these previous audits, is there any way that they could have possibly missed this many discrepancies. And there are a couple of stories out. Uh, I'm going to read one from the Gateway Pundit. I know that it's a, it's a very partisan news organization. However, the Gateway Pundit has also reported more recently than this article that uh, um, some of these audit companies work for Dominion and some of these other voting systems. They are paid, their, their checks are paid by the people they're auditing, which is what we would call a conflict of interest. But um, here's the headline. Cyber Ninjas found so many issues with the voting machines and processes in Maricopa County. It's a wonder the previous auditors didn't find these too. Uh, and more recently, they've reported that some of these auditors are being paid by the com companies they're auditing. But uh, with that said, Ben Cotton's team is auditing the IT-related practices and policies in the 2020 election in Maricopa County. He shared some important items during his presentation last week that any good IT auditor would find. And just scrolling down through, through here, um, it's a difficult task for these auditors because Maricopa County has been completely uncooperative, even with basic requests, referring, to audit, referring auditors to lawyers. This all provides even more support that the subjects under the audit, the auditees, are guilty of doing something uh, or doing everything they can to postpone uh, the election. Um, things that have been addressed by Cotton during his presentation at the Arizona Senate. Auditors have collected over 2,000 terabytes of data. The vast majority is video footage. What Maricopa County has told the public is often drastically different than their response to the legal subpoena. 
Uh, Maricopa uh, County did not use a forensically secure process to clone drives. Dates and times were altered by their cloning processes. So basically, there's not only vulnerabilities that exist in the Maricopa County election system, they're also changing data as it's getting to the auditors. So when we have public officials who are entrusted with our uh, electoral process, I, I want to start with the theological chair, Miss Nikki. When we have government officials, how do we justify or how do we as Christians sit underneath the rule of law when our our actual elected officials are acting unscrupulously? Well, that's not uncommon. You go back to the Bible, there was many times that uh, good Christian people sat under vicious, uh, you know, the Romans, they were vicious. They were unscrupulous, as you say. Uh, so, but prayer is our source. And, and, you know, a lot of people don't understand prayer and the power behind prayer. And there is power. You don't just pray, but you go out and you you share the gospel. You make a difference. You shake the world up. When in days of Paul, when Paul was preaching and people were throwing away their idols of Diana, what did the people, the, the, the uh, political people of the day say? They're turning our world upside down and they were threatened. It's no different today. We have lost our respect in society. The church has lost its respect in society. They just dismiss us now. And we have to understand why has that happened. And it's because of the church looks so worldly and the world looks so churchy. Nobody can tell the difference. Wow, that's an incredible indictment. Moving on real quick to the chair of culture. When our elected officials are changing data, when they're being audited, What's the Christian's cultural response? How do we create a counterculture, Josh? Something that, that will change this in the long run. So, important thing to note with this issue, whether or not it is true or it is not true, it does pose an interesting question about integrity and the importance of having integrity. And I wanted to reference back to Nikki and what she said, talking about government. John MacArthur has an amazing sermon about government and its role, and its biblical role, and the fact that it was meant to protect the people. And it wasn't just meant to protect the people necessarily in a physical capacity, but it was also a moral capacity to a degree. And what you see in America, obviously, is a failure to protect people morally and a failure in this regard to uphold integrity. Regardless, of, like I said, regardless of if this is true or not, it does pose an interesting question all the same. Where is the integrity? Integrity is so key. What, and integrity, that being doing what is right without anyone looking, that's, that's, that's biblical. Absolutely. And, and maybe one could say, go so far as to say, the problem with our culture is 
not the culture, it's the home life, right? It's the lack of point. fatherhood. And, I, and when I say that, I'm, I'm saying intentional fatherhood, something that is set to, to pursue that excellence. So very, very good points, Josh. Um, moving on to the chair of politics. Yes. So in this situation, kind of like what Josh was saying, I don't think that we're ever going to know for sure one way or another. We might have very strong evidence that comes out that indicates one way or another, but that's almost a secondary issue at this point. I think Josh's point on integrity is really what we need to focus on now is the fact that whether it happened on election day that something was changed or whether it's happening now during the audits that something is being changed or whether it's going to happen down the road that something is being changed driven by people's desire for political power however good you think that is you know wherever good you think that places that that that's coming from which i think that a lot of these people are they really think that their ideology or their candidate or whatever it is is our political savior and and if and if we just get this person elected then it will solve all of our or these problems and that justifies me not being honest when i'm doing these voting systems or when i'm doing this audit or when i'm doing this that and the other so that integrity is key people are sacrificing their integrity for for the god of politics now so that that's an excellent breakdown of it and and actually it's a nice segue to your philosophy you look at how these individuals they're they're ideologues the folks who are doing is either they're a doing it for money or b they're ideologues i, I i'll come down honestly i i i firmly believe there was tampering with the election Thirty-five thousand votes with hand driven machines being injected in a nanosecond that is clear all for one party that is clearly clear in maricopa that is clearly an issue um but you look at the at the the, the reason for us having elections the teleology of this the telos is we are ruled by the by the will of the people was the idea and it was meant to keep the strong from being able to eat the weak by it being a representative government However, what we're seeing is, is the strong are now rallying certain, they're, they're manipulating and influencing and, and, and rallying certain groups against each other. They're dividing us by race, gender, whatever, so that now they can get away with murder, literal murder in some cases, or the murder of our politic. So that they can do what they want to do they have evil has found a way to circumvent the checks and balances that our forefathers here in america put up to try to prevent the the strong from eating the weak they they, they you, you've heard the you've heard the colloquialism uh democracy is two wolves and a sheep voting on on who to eat that night or on what to eat so it, it's it's we're the whole concept of America was meant to prevent against this exact thing where you have these oligarchic structures like Facebook, YouTube, Alphabet, that, that whole system. 
people who own that and who are pushing these policies and the people who really own them, they're really the ones who are winning. And the minorities who are being manipulated into believing that, that, that America still hates them, they're really, we're all just pawns. So uh, with that said, we've kind of gone around the room here. Do we want to go ahead and do one quick cleanup on this subject before we move on to the next? Josh, give us a 10-second or a 30-second wrap-up. Could you actually pass to Jennifer? Or pass someone to Jennifer. Else? I need to gather my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, what John Arthur was saying, I think, is, is the crux of the matter. It's, it's this idea, you know, taking it from a, a very political lens, that political activism can somehow replace your other moral duties. That just by the fact that you are pushing forward this specific political ideology, your moral obligations to tell the truth and to to try to remain somewhat objective um, just can go out the window because it's all in the greater good, politically speaking. And I think that that is a dangerous path to go down. It's never going to end. The thing that you think, the thing that makes you good, quote unquote, today is not going to be the same thing tomorrow. You're going to be the next person who comes under fire from this new, ever changing morality that's just based on whatever today appears to do the most good for whoever is the public, being the public good, supported. <clears throat> taking value or hierarchy over ethical values, values that are given by God. Absolutely. That is a wonderful segue to the chair of theology. So I, I probably said this in the past, but um, the media used to protect the people from the politicians. They used to question. They used to investigate. Now you have not only the political party, but the media in their pocket. And now they're protecting politicians from the people. It's a bad um, partnership, and it's hard for the country. But again, I will tell you that if you're born for this day and for this hour, God has a purpose, and you better be on your knees and figure that out. Chair of Culture, are you ready? Yes. Let's go. So... Before I say what I'm going to say, I want to preface it by saying that I don't think that what I'm about to say means that we should take the news and take the take the events lying down. I think that though that we have been given the tool, the sword, if you will, to be able to counter the problems that we see in the culture, and that means that we don't have to be helpless. We don't have to be defenseless because we have the means to fight back. And the means is ultimately going to be a firm foundation, a sword, a word that is sufficient and that is sustaining and that, that cannot be changed. And at times of trouble, times of difficulty, I'm reminded of the second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. But I'm also reminded of when Paul was writing and he said, love those who persecute you. That was a strong word. And that was a strong word that convicted me whenever I read it. And I think it, was a, it, it wasn't just something that should just wear off on us. 
is that the way to approach the people who are doing these things, the way to approach the situation as general is with love, but it's also with the correction of whatever is being, whatever the false theology is, whatever the, the, the false gospel is, whatever is the sinful thing that is happening. It is important to, to, to love that person, but also part of loving that person is correcting and, and living life with that person and showing them that, hey, this is, this, is, this is not just on the surface, the action. It's also what goes behind the action. It's the heart behind the action. And so that's where, that's where wars are going to be won. That's where wars are going to be fought. Amen and amen. We should be less worried about what's happening in the White House. We need to be worried about that. But what's happening in the House, if you're looking at what's, at what's happening in your own heart, in your own home, what you're building there changes the nation. I forget the name of, of, of the philosopher who said this, but there was a philosopher who said, forget the laws of a nation. Let me write the songs of a nation. I don't care what the laws are. If we can write the songs, if we can give our children right start, if we are the ones who are actively participating in the culture, that is the way we win, and that's a beautiful job, absolutely. And then uh, just to wrap up this one subject on the philosophy level, just remember why we vote. Someone interferes with that. They are an enemy of everyone, regardless of what party they come from. We need to make sure we hold our integrity. The nation of integrity, we're an autocracy. It just might be being run by a certain group. As a Now, moving on to the next story. We've got uh, only a short amount of time left today. This will be a shorter episode. But we've got... Uh, uh, We've got a visitor jumping in, uh, another another individual jumping in. We're going to put him on mic. Winston, how are you today, sir? I'm doing well. Glad to have you jump in here. Are you going to be you're going to be sharing that mic there with uh, Miss Nikki? Um, would you rather sit in the chair of uh, philosophy or economics, Christian economics? We'll put you in philosophy. Okay. We'll put you in philosophy, and I'll switch to the chair of economics. Very good. So we've got three stories. We're just going to shotgun through them because they're kind of an interesting, it's an interesting narrative, that, that counter-narrative that's coming out to the narrative. But we'll start with the narrative. First off, this is a uh, an article from Reuters. 60% of people admitted to UK hospitals are unvaccinated, says advisor. He started off with saying 60% of those in the hospitals are double double shot it and then he walked that back and said I must have made a mistake whichever it is it means that either 40% or 60% of the individuals who are in the hospital in the UK were given at least one if not two vaccination shots and uh, they, they, they kind of had to walk that back but 60 uh, it's only 60% of those being admit, uh, admitted to the hospital are unvaccinated that leaves the question you know there there how many people aren't and so that we've got three stories to get through here there's an, another interesting one from from the uh from mercola.com there's a doctor that was comparing the uh israeli health ministry's data i don't know if you saw this jennifer but um i, I don't know what to make of this because uh, it might be within the margin of error but it's an interesting fact nevertheless that uh 
The data presented to the Israeli Health Ministry July 17, 2021, revealed that of more than 7,700 COVID-19 cases reported since May 2021, only 72 occurred in people who had previously had COVID-19, a rate of less than 1%. By contrast, more than 3,000 cases, or approximately 40%, occurred in people who had received the COVID-19 vaccination. The statistics go on to say to suggest that uh, this doctor is suggesting that you're 700% more likely to get the Delta variant if you had the vaccine, which is which is interesting. But of course, this guy's being shut down for 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 saying that, and he's being actually threatened with people outside of his door. In fact, he's threatening to erase his website entirely. This one doctor, he's a doctor. He sees patients, uh, and then the final one is the CDC deletes, this is from the Gateway Pundit again, uh, CDC quietly deletes 6,000 COVID vaccine deaths from its CDC website total in one day. The way someone found this was, is they were on the site, they left the site, and they came back and found that it went from, uh, as this report, this report goes, uh, 11,140 reported deaths from COVID, uh, which means that this is a nine. 1,125 increase deaths in, the, in one week. So whether or not the data report, reporting just caught up or there's a spike, it's, it's hard to know. But uh, it went from it ultimately on the site, the final reporting before it changed, and this was recovered with the Wayback Machine, was, which is a way that you can go back and look at how screen captures are caught, 12,000 313 uh, reports of death among people who received the vaccine. But then hours later, that number was changed to 6,079 reports of death. So this is on the Bayer site. That's the uh, vaccine uh, injury report. I, I don't remember what B-A-E-R like is the acronym, Bayer's. So going around the room, just to, it's it's interesting that there are these this data these statistics these facts are being brought out by kind of fringe groups, but the but the actual information is coming from authoritative sources, but the story is being is being manipulated. Starting with the chair of uh, uh, we'll go to theology, it, kind of in the same theme. What do we do? when statistics and data are being changed and there's no reference or no explanation why death counts are being changed on things like the Bayer site. And the, the question of, of 40% of those who are in the UK hospitals vaccinated, yet people who say this are, are canceled. Well, I think it's important um, that that information if 40% of people who are vaccinated are ending up with COVID and in the hospital, I think it's very important to let that out because you don't want people who are vaccinated to just assume they're never going to get them. That's not, especially people who have health issues. So we can't hide that information because yes, uh, the vaccine should be treated like a cushion if you get COVID, it may help you get through it, but it may not. And I think there may be a lot of people out there who think that they're, I'm okay, I'm vaccinated, I'm, I'm okay, nothing's going to happen to me. And 
I don't want to see innocent people get sick and get in the hospital and die because they just put all their faith in the vaccine was going to prevent them from getting sick. And then they. And I have anecdotal after anecdotal uh, pieces of evidence from people that I know who were in uh, trauma wards and family members who, are in, who, who work with COVID patients. And they say that some of, some of the people who had the vaccines appear to get it harder with this Delta variant, this new Delta variant. We actually have somebody here that was vaccinated, but um, he got it worse than his wife. And his, uh, the doctor told him that he did not go to the hospital. And he, the doctor told him that the vaccine was a cushion for him to prevent him from getting it worse than what he did. So, but I did read some statistics in the UK that, you know, 92,000 people, this was a couple weeks ago, had gotten the Delta variant. 117 had died, which I thought those were pretty good numbers for 92,000. Maybe I'm, but 50 out of the 117 were vaccinated. So that's just important information to get out there for everybody to have that. And so, absolutely. Moving over to the chair of politics, uh, Jennifer, you're, you're actually a, a prof medical professional. Yeah. Want, want to get your, your opinion as, as, you know, from the chair of politics, but also as a medical professional, what do you think about the, the, the way information is, is coming out and the way it's being treated? Well, so just know that this answer is going to be very personal just because of all of the personal interactions that I've had with this, but in my job, we have become almost fatigued with how much these, how many new statistics come out, how soon those statistics are supposedly proven wrong with new statistics, how soon all of the guidelines change, you have to wear a mask, now you don't have to wear a mask, only if you're inside, now you cannot wear it inside, now you have to wear it, and, and constantly every single day that I go into work basically that's almost without exaggeration every single day there's a policy change there's an update to the guidelines there's there's this that and the other and and it's so I, I'm, I'm almost to the point where I'm I'm not gonna believe any of it <laughs> until it is written in literal stone because you know it's just anecdotally it none of these reflect what I'm seeing. Not the ones that say nobody with the vaccine is going to get it. Not the ones that say your vaccines are useless. I mean, in the last week, I have personally taken care of somebody who was not vaccinated first time they've gotten COVID. I've taken care of somebody who was vaccinated first time they've gotten COVID. I've taken care of somebody who has had COVID before, not vaccinated, has COVID again, and somebody who's gotten vaccinated, has had it before, and is back in the hospital with COVID again. But doesn't that speak to how COVID has become a political football? Absolutely. It is so, and they've done it to themselves. The, the, the Democratic Party specifically has really dug themselves into a hole with how vitriolic they were against Trump's COVID plan and the, you know, Trump vaccine. I'm not, I'm not going to take a vaccine that Trump's, you know, people As developed. As if he it in the back, back room of the Right. White House. It's so ridiculous. Science is science, no matter who's president, although that's apparently not true uh, for some people. <laughs> so 
politically it's so th this should have been a totally apolitical dealt with in medical professionals but it became so a political monster and i'm i'm really sick of it absolutely moving on to the chair of culture i'm going to be honest this is probably one of the few topics where i'm going to have to punt the football on this i don't know if i have any any thoughts on this so I would say, or I would, I would ask you this, is it important for our culture to have open discourse, to be able to have these ideas out there so that what's true is true, what's false is false, and we get all of the information out there, and then we make an accurate, hopefully, determination based on all the information being out there? I agree with you on that. I think that's, that would be awesome. I think the problem, though, with that, though, would be... For example, I think Fauci had a number where he said 99% of the people who have died from COVID post, I think this year, were un, were un, well, actually, post like, I guess, accessibility of the vaccine were unvaccinated people. And Which is said, simply not true. But, but, see, that's, but see, that's the point, though. That's my point, is that who's to say it's not true, though? Because if you're going to pre go, because if you have a predisposed belief about something, you could automatically impose your thoughts on that. And so I agree with you. Yes, that open discourse and open data and open and having that information out there is available. I guess my issue is where where is the where you know what I mean? There's so much data out there that is conflicting and contradicting that. There's so much that, that, that that's isn't so. There's so many statistics that have been twisted and manipulated. So it's, it's, yeah, it's like I, I said, I some a, of these are questionable. Yeah. Like I question them. One of the biggest things to look for in these COVID statistics that I've seen is case numbers are different than hospitalizations are different than deaths. Yes. People conflate them a lot. Exactly. 60,000 new cases does not mean 60,000 deaths. Or 60,000 serious illnesses. Many of those people stayed home and like took some Tylenol. Yeah, exactly. I, I, now, I, many I had didn't, COVID but... two weeks ago and they gave me some stuff and sent me home. I was not hospitalized. And I had COVID at the same time. I didn't even have a fever. I never lost a day at work. I worked from home, so I wasn't exposing anybody. But over-the-counter headache medicine was all I took and some mucinex was all I needed. So it does. And, and, and I know we need to get to Winston here. I would just say this. I wish that they would just come out and say, this is the information we have today. This is a worldwide pandemic. This is new. We're trying to gather information. We're listening to doctors. We can handle that. We can handle that. If you can just say, this is what we have today, but we're working steadily. Instead of trying to, they, what they're trying to do is trying to make people feel comfortable that they have it under Absolutely. So. Moving on to Winston, real quick, uh, we are running up on our time here. Go ahead and give us your philosophical take. When we have the government hiding or changing statistics without telling us why, telling us that it was a data entry error, or that there's no mention of a change in 6,000 deaths on the VAERS reporting, what is the Christian's philosophical take, looking at the purpose, looking at the reason, What's the Christian's take on that, and how do we how do we respond to that? Well, it's 
honestly kind of scary how how much government reflects a uh, multi-billion dollar business in that regard where it's manipulating the supposed truth as our <clears throat> hyper-relativistic society is that it's it's controlling what they consider to it's controlling what they consider to be the truth um and trying to establish it as what is uh present in everybody's mind thus making a pseudo truth that everyone believes in and they abide by and because they all abide by it it effectively is so um as a christian i mean we the bible is very firm on this and that there is only one truth and it's the word of god and by it we live uh we cannot put uh filters over our eyes and put on our rose tinted glasses and presume that whatever is whatever is said is is what is new and is what is truth we have to rely on the word of god as the foundation upon what we all continue to do in our lives and amen that is a wonderful word and a great segue into the chair of economics so i have switched over to the chair of economics because we have winston gracing our presence um look at where the money is going look at the people who are pushing vaccines as opposed to therapeutics you look at the use of therapeutics there was a, a i've said this before on the podcast there was a great uh, senate testimony texas uh, state senate testimony where this one doctor said if we had looked at the person on the table drowning in their own blood in their own lungs just worried about fixing that person healing that person we could have saved 85 percent of, of of death deaths uh, the, and, and, and I think that's a reasonable opinion because they knew about therapeutics in April of uh, 2020. That, that worked. But anyone who talked about therapeutics, no, 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 it was the rush to the vaccine. And the person at the head of that who was pushing it happens to have the part, part of the, his, his name is on the patent for the, for the mRNA vaccine. That would be none other than Dr. Fauci. So my my question is is who allowed that conflict of interest to exist and continue where the push was for the vaccine that someone had a potential monetary conflict of interest in and that individual was allowed to push the vaccine i look i i am i am pro vaccine i am a vaccinated individual but this 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 gene therapy, which is an experiment, you know, the Pfizer Moderna, it, it is a gene therapy. It's not a traditional vaccine with an adjuvant and a and a culture. It's something different. And the fact that it's been called a vaccine, and it's really an experimental gene therapy, like you said, to cushion it to help reduce the effects. But it's been called something that it's you know not not the traditional use of the term. They're they're shifting the words. And it, it really smells like it was done for money, not like it was done for the person's interest, patient's interest, but it smells like it was done, like you said, like a multi-billion dollar organization pushing for control, power, and money, as opposed to dealing with simple, cheap therapeutics. Uh, I, I waited, you know, when I had COVID, I waited a while before I went to the doctor because I had a test pop negative and I thought I was fine. But when I finally went, I had pneumonia and COVID, and they gave me ivermectin. Ivermectin, uh, zithromycin, mucinex, and a couple of other things. Within 
two days, my 103, 104 degree fever went down to a 99.8 or something like that. I, I went from being really not feeling well to getting better almost overnight. But you say ivermectin, and some doc, I'm amazed that this doctor was, was, was willing to do it, you know, but he was interested in my, in my health. So um, some, some doctors think it's political. So, and, and that they're carrying this, this football. So just be careful. And what you, when you make your choices as a Christian, watch where people are coming from. If they're coming from it from a political aspect, a monetary aspect, watch for it. But going around the room, just a quick wrap-up for today. I'm going to hit the chair of culture. Just give us your 10-second pithy hot take because we got to go. Integrity matters. Integrity matters. Bada-boom. Amen. Moving over to the chair of theology. I would say if for this is a thing for the Christian that you really need to pray about this um, and find peace where you're at. Because everybody, some people are going to fall on the side that they're going to want the vaccine and some people are going to fall on the side that they don't. And I think that you need to make the decision that God gives you peace for and respect everybody else. Amen. Amen. It's about personal choice, looking for what works for you. Chair philosophy. The um, the content of what somebody is saying not necessarily reflects what they believe and not necessarily reflects what is true. So be wary of what people say and compare it to the Word of God. Amen. What a word. Moving on to the chair of politics. Don't let your desired political outcome make you lackadaisical when it comes to your morality. Our faith should guide us in how we participate in politics. Our political interests should never influence our faith. Amen. What a word. Okay, and from the Mm. chair of economics, I'll wrap up with just this. Watch where people's interests lie and understand that that doesn't always coincide with what God has for his plans and for his people. Make sure you're basing your value judgments on the Lord and not on the value propositions that are given to you by the world or the culture. With that said, thank you so much for tuning in to uh, Further Every Day. We really appreciate your your listenership. Uh, As always, like, comment, subscribe. Go ahead and down in the comment section there, go ahead and tell us what you thought of today's uh, episode. If you have something that you would like to add, uh, tell us from which chair you're arguing, whether you didn't agree with us or you agreed with us. Go ahead and let us know. And uh, again, thank you for your listenership, your viewership, your five-star ratings, your comments. Those things really do help us. So we very much appreciate it. With that said, Thank you so much for listening. God bless and have a wonderful day. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Baba Booey.